All rights to Neon Genesis Evangelion are reserved to Gainax, Hideaki Anno, Shiro Sagisu, Netflix, Ikoto Yamashita, ASC2 Media Works, and Yoko Takahashi. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Who's Anime Is It Anyway podcast, the podcast where everything is made up and the score doesn't matter. That's right, the score doesn't matter. Much like Shinji doesn't matter to his own father. <laughs> I'm Aaron, your host. With me today is Tyler. We're going to be talking about Neon, Genesis, Evangelion. Other than that, today on the pod, we're going to be introducing a non-spoiler section. Uh, that was a question uh, about the last pod was, you know, how do I listen without ruining the entire show for me, which I realized was going to be a problem, so that today i've been watching anime for 10 years now uh if you don't count pokemon my it's like one of those in-betweener shows like you know avatar or castlevania if you guys are familiar with that with that show on netflix well so it's funny that you mentioned avatar because that's something that's been going on netflix with it has had like a huge recent following of new people yeah Uh, Pokemon, I think, is just a little bit different than that. Just A, because it was actually made in made in Japan, and B, because Avatar was a lot more available to us in the United States than anything else. Unless you yeah. stayed up until three in the morning, which I did not. So, <laughs> right. So tell me, tell the audience a little bit about your nerdiness background. Uh, obviously, all of us are different in how we got. Uh, right. as well as anime. Right, absolutely. And so I guess my anime background a little bit. I do enjoy a lot of different like varieties of anime, but I'd say my experience is like very little. Probably like I only really have been like really considering it as like a, a genre that I would actually sit down and watch probably for like the past like three years maybe. So like I'm pretty new to some of the tropes or some of the themes that you see in a lot of different anime shows because like there are similarities and there are like these reoccurring themes throughout different types of anime and how they want to draw in their audience and their viewership so i i've I've been really getting in, in getting into it i do have some reservations about some of the ways in which like just generic animes or generic shows are portraying their themes and their characters, which I can get into once we really start chewing on <laughs> the monster that is Neon Genesis. But uh, you said generic. <laughs> you said generic. I, I know. I know. What do you mean by that? Because I could end it right now if you attack any of the shows that I. Oh, God. <laughs> well, hey, I, I am a person who's entitled to their own opinion, whether they be <laughs> right or wrong. And you are, too. I'm sure a lot of my opinions are going to be very wrong to a lot of people who enjoy these shows. Ooh. And, you know, that, that's fair. I, I, I don't think any show is completely uh, protected from being criticized, especially I, I think it's helpful to have a critical response perspective from someone who typically doesn't watch a whole lot of anime i mean i know i have my biases of particularly watching like uh western oriented shows so okay but what do you I, mean I by generic? That, right? generic okay so i'll break in just like 
what usual at least the the types of animes that I have seen so far. I'll just throw it out there. Seven Deadly Sins. I would consider that. All right, this is gonna be a hot take. <laughs> I'll, all right, I'm already telling that people are not gonna like like this, but I really don't enjoy watching Seven Deadly Sins. I I think it's a very generic, boring boring kind of show that really just attracts uh, just adolescent boys and tries to maintain that kind of audience. You know what I mean? They they don't try and dig deeper into like some actual substance or try and grab you on with a concept. It's really just there for flashy animation, eye candy, and cool scenes for teenagers, basically. Okay. That, that's why I consider generic. There is a, a genre for that. It's called shonen, number one. Okay. Number two is I agree with you on Seven Deadly Sins. I watched the first episode of that show and basically put it down. The only other shonen that I've ever done that with is Fairy Tale, and that is exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. If you thought, if you think Seven Deadly Sins is really trying to grab teenage boys with, you know, flashy scenes and, and... eye candy yeah boy do i have news for you you've never (laughs) heard of fairy tale that is (laughs) i have it in my list of watched anime and i've been the the goal of this podcast is to run through that list Mm -hmm. i don't think that will ever make it into (laughs) the podcast episodes whether or not i managed to actually get through the list in podcasts (laughs) which would take me, if I go bi-weekly, oh, I've watched 125 <laughs> anime, give or take. It's a long time. So about two a month, long time. <laughs> I'm not going to do the math. <laughs> but it would be, uh, if I did one a month, it would be, um, you know, 10 years, I think. You'll be sitting in that chair for a very long time. Yeah, it, would take me five, it would take me five years to get through all the anime that I've ever watched and to just finally get prepared. So... I think, um, I don't think I'm going to do that, no. But, uh, <laughs> oh, really? Oh, bummer. <laughs> but I don't think, you know, you can, I, I said shonen when you said generic anime, but at the same time, yeah. there are a lot of really, really good shonen shows. Number one, and we, I said on the last podcast when David dropped it, because I've been trying to get him to watch it for the last, like, year and a half, uh, <laughs> is Hunter Hunter, or Hunter x Hunter. Oh, yeah if you want to call it that. Um, I know you're predominantly a Netflix anime viewer. So yes, that one is on Netflix right now. So I would uh, recommend that. Uh, David also dropped a spoiler that that is my personal opinion, the best anime that exists. But that's not the point. The point is, is that you're moderately right, especially about Seven Deadly Sins. I don't know if you've watched Naruto at all. I have. I've at least watched... The first series, and I am chugging along, well, kind of struggling right now <laughs> to get through Shippuden, just okay. because I've just been putting it off. But yeah. it's now, it's going to be on my list. I finished season two of Westworld, and I've been get, really getting into RuneScape, so that is the perfect game to just have playing in the background, AFKing, while I watch Naruto as well at the same time. So I, I will be pumping through those episodes, and I'll let you know what I think very soon. 
Yeah, that's definitely how we know you're a nerd is because you said I'm going to be AFKing in RuneScape while I <laughs> plow through Naruto. If that wasn't already apparent, that would definitely be it. Right. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm already. <laughs> I can't deny it. I. I can't hide my true self. Okay. It, it's. It's there. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Jeez. I. I thought it was bad, but <laughs> that's really bad. So you said that you watched Seven Deadly Sins, but I—is that the first one that you ever watched? Or was it... The first like shonen type show, no, the first you mean, or first anime? And I'm that not counting—I'm probably... not counting Avatar, even though I would probably put that in a like a podcast episode. I am mm-hmm. strictly mean Japanese anime. Okay, yeah, I, I'd have to say de- definitely Naruto is the first memory that come that comes to mind. I, I that's the only one I, I think I remember like actually like sitting down and like seriously like sitting through and fall paying attention, following along, and when watching every single episode. That was my my introduction when into. Was this? Oh, this was probably man when I was like. 19 i think or something oh so we we, we were sophomores or freshmen freshmen or sophomores yeah like i always kind of like watched it on and off because like i i used to watch some cartoon network you know when i when i was younger and i believe it was on toonami for a little while if you if you were if you remember yeah uh, that's right. That, that that section of Cartoon Network, yeah, like Toonami is always like in the evening, and they would play Naruto for a while. And I believe I watched a fair bit of it, but never really followed along. I just thought the scenes were cool, the the fights and and whatever, and uh, all the fights, the flashy jutsus, and all the crazy hand signs they were they were, they were throwing. Back in the day, <laughs> when people actually used hand signs. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Now, now, now they're just. Uh, I've I've only seen clips. I I won't spoil anything, but uh, it's yeah. Naruto's crazy. It, it feels like I'm watching like Dragon Ball Z <laughs> instead of like ninjas fighting. Well, that is the show that pretty much got One Piece and, and Naruto and Bleach rolling was uh, was Dragon Ball Z. Right. Yeah. Kind of open the doors for everybody. And things like uh, things like Yu Yu Hakusho and um, Mobile Suit Gundam. Oh yeah, Gundam. Because yeah, Gundam was sick. I remember actually. Okay, all right. Now, now you're dragging my memory a little bit. I remember there was a Gundam show I used to watch. This came out in the '90s, but it was also on Toonami. It was like the most ridiculous concept I'd ever heard of. So like these Gundams for this show, they they didn't actually have like guns or like weapons on their giant mechas. They they just used their fists. So this was like a global tournament. I forgot what the what the name of this Gundam show was, but the whole premise was it was a global tournament, fight tournaments, fight club, where fighters from all over the world would come in and just beat the shit out of each other in giant mech suits. <laughs> that 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 was basically it. Welcome to every show and ever. If you want a tournament <laughs> that has that features people beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> Yeah, highly recommend it. I I remember um, they defeated the the main evil villain in the last. Oh wait, I can't, I can't spoil this. Uh, we should keep this spoiler free. But but there's a lot of crazy shit. There's a giant like mecha robot horse that they ride on for a little bit. Like like a giant like sixty foot tall horse that they ride on in space. And this is Neo Genesis having going, right? <laughs> no no, this is this is the mobile suit Gundam. Oh oh right? oh, 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 oh yeah. <laughs> 
I thought we were talking yeah. about a, a, a giant battle suit show where it featured weird monstrosities. <laughs> They're basically, honestly, a two sides of the same coin, but <laughs> kind of, yeah. And now the more I think about it, it's like they, they had like the same idea, but went in completely opposite directions. Yeah. with that idea so what were you saying earlier about shows being super flashy to attract teenage boys right yeah they, they would show <laughs> god this is like a huge problem i i think with didn't, the whole show shonen i guess right it's it's the shonen genre didn't you say that you are watching naruto right now and that you really liked gundam <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I just wish, yeah, you know, it worked, you know, it, it, when I was a kid, it, it fucking, it fucking worked. Okay, <laughs> and, okay. uh, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, for, for sure. I mean, I was in that age group and they did attract me with the right things to draw me in and keep me watching. Yeah. Although Naruto doesn't do the sexy jutsu anymore as often as he, <laughs> as he could have. That part I never truly understood. And that that was like truly like going into I guess the tapping in into your audience and making sure that they that they <laughs> they they stick for the long term. Like oh well, like well, when is Naruto going to do his sexy jutsu again? <laughs> Who knows? Find out next episode. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So you started Naruto though when you were 19. Yeah, basically yeah, taking it serious, like watching the, all the way through, like paying attention to the, all the plot points and the characters. Yeah. We met, I want to say, when that, or at least in freshman year of college? Yeah, it was freshman year, second semester. Yeah, you had transferred in. And yeah, uh, yeah we were in IRO together. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that was when way before either of us knew that anime was going to be a conversation topic on podcasts. <laughs> All right, yeah. But, Who knows, yeah. Uh, Naruto was my first show as well, participated. This is, I'm going to really, I should, I should get into this on a separate podcast about, I ask everyone their story and I realized I haven't told, you know, mine yet. So, like you don't even know your origin story yet? So I don't have my origin story, bro. I got to do right? a flashback arc. <laughs> it's like, you know, when, when you're in the middle of a fight. Yeah, right? And right in the middle of a fight. Just like, oh, let's get this whole backstory of, of, this, of this tragic man. So that's right before he gets right his ass kicked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So don't kick my ass. But, <laughs> so yeah, I, I started with Naruto as well. We started talking about anime when us and a couple of other guys moved in together. Uh, yeah. I think two of our roommates, one of our other roommate watched Naruto upon entering the house, I think. I don't know if Matt did. Did Matt watch yeah, it for I you believe... or was it just Grant, you and I? Matt was always on and off. I think Grant was, you know, taking it seriously, like actually trying to go through all of Naruto and then all like 500 yeah. episodes of Ship It In. <laughs> yeah. And so I think he got Matt into it that way because um, he had been watching it i actually remember this now yeah he had been watching it and so he yeah. got one of our other roommates into it and so that just opened up the can of worms which ended up being group watch sessions of castlevania that's um, a sick show oh my god I, love, I fucking love that show yeah so i might have just like the house on for a castlevania podcast you know what why not yeah i fucking love it it's 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 a short and sweet show but man there's like so much like beautiful anime animation and man it just like hits hard with, with its themes yeah and doesn't let you go so quick aside on that if you have watched that show to you and the audience and you want to watch a show similar to that that also goes about talking about uh helsing and the and dracula and stuff like that 
watch Elsie Knowlton, okay. especially if you also like World War II uh, history, which oddly enough, I feel like a lot of guys do in general. I don't know why that is. I, I just think it has something to do with like, I don't know. It's just like war thing. history. It's cool, yeah. you know, yeah. soldiers and stuff doing, doing cool stuff or yeah. fighting. Fighting for an actual just cause. But besides the point, we today, Ben, are talking about Neon Genesis Evangelion and Shinji Ikari and the like and everybody that's involved in that. So a little description about the show as per Wikipedia, because I don't feel like actually looking up the real the real description. Evangelion is set 15 years after a worldwide cataclysm, particularly in the futuristic fortified city of Tokyo 3. The protagonist is Shinji Ikari, a teenage boy who has been recruited by his father to the shadowy organization of Nerve or Nerve, if you watch it on Netflix. I don't know why they pronounce it like that. It's it's weird. Um, <laughs> but the only place I was able to binge watch it prior to uh, recording this episode to get a refresher, um, which I watched it in like four days. So that was fun. To join the organization, Nerve, to pilot a giant biomecha called the Avas, or an Evangelion, into combat with alien beings called Angels. The series explores the, exper- explores the experiences and emotions of Evangelion pilots and members of Nerve as they try to prevent angels from causing more cataclysms. In the process, they are called upon to understand the ultimate causes of events and the motives for human action. It recasts the saintly inventor father as a sinister figure and the enthusiastic teenage protagonist as a vacillating introvert a deconstruction of classic mecha anime tropes which i'm sure you're pretty happy about considering you don't like um, standard or generic animal oh, excuse me <laughs> so you know attacking my entire thi- uh being with that those comments <laughs> so this is going to be the non-spoiler section. So we're going to go a little bit into the plot and then go from there. From that, I rewatched the show on Netflix a week ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have only ever watched it twice. This was my second viewing. Num- number one, the opening bangs. Oh, yeah. you know, everybody knows that uh, Cruel Angel Thesis is one of the best openings in all of anime. And number two, I, it, it's definitely a much different viewing experience as somebody over the age of 21 than it was when I watched it when I was like 16. Because when I was 16, I was closer to Shinji's age, you know, experiencing bouts of depression and uh, and, and those kind of things and, and going through school and not really knowing your place in life and stuff like that. You know, very traditional uh, teenage years, not really knowing what you're going to do. You know, friends are ever-changing, et cetera, et cetera. But re-watching it, as an adult and i use that term loosely especially since i still play pokemon but re-watching that show gave me an appreciation for it in a much different way just because like now i have a better understanding of the different types of imagery that's kind of thrown around and the allusions to various uh psychological um religious and even scientific Theory. That part I really definitely wasn't expecting when I first watched it and didn't understand any of the any of the science behind anything that they did or talked about. But now what? Now I oddly do. Just to, just in short, like you know, I described the plot in that in that description, but that was you know how how at least my interpretation of it was was just kind of like a coming that coming of age type of thing. Right. I would say that's a, a fair assessment and definitely a valid assessment of 
the many things going on through this show. <laughs> if there was one word I would use to describe Neon Genesis Evangelion, it's relentless. It has some very strong themes and it has it has a setting that puts it all together and it does not let you go. It has a theme and it has several themes and it just pounds you with them constantly. Every single episode there is something new, something traumatic that the main characters have to go through, fight fight over and overcome. And sometimes they're unlike many other shows, they're not left for the better, but sometimes they're feeling left feeling worse about themselves after they overcome fighting the angels. And yeah, it's a show that uh, left a huge mark and impression on me. Uh, definitely, I've only I've only seen it once, once only time, and I've only seen the Netflix version. I've heard that the DVD or VHS cassette, whatever how old this show was, Pretty version, old. yeah, definitely very very old. It. Yeah, but there is definitely a dubbed version that is slightly different than uh, the Netflix version. We can go into that a little bit different because there's actually a lot, quite a bit of controversy with the two different dubbed versions for some reason netflix decided to when they bought the show or bought the rights to it they decided to redub the whole thing with completely different voice actors i just and... don't get it i didn't get it when i watched it i was like why does this sound different and then i looked it up and i was like they uh, yeah. redubbed the whole show <laughs> i have no yeah. idea why yeah basically they decided to all, the, spend... all the old voice actors Spend the money to hire completely new voice actors to dub the show. <laughs> Which, Already good dub. It was dubbed perfectly fine. And you know what? I guess this might be a little controversial. Again, this, this episode is going to be filled with controversies, I'm sure. But like, actually, I really enjoy... The, the Netflix version, to be honest. I, I understand the faults. I've listened to a few clips. I've done my research on what the old dub used to sound like. I honestly like how, how Shinji sounds like in the in, in the new dub. I, I honestly really do. He sounds more, I guess, like childish or just lost or in, in innocence. You know, he has got that childish voice to him and he doesn't sound super i i don't know like forced it, it just seems like he's just like a depressed kid <laughs> it, it, the voice actors i think did a great job with the script that they were given there is a couple particular scenes towards the end of the show are subject to controversy and i understand uh why yeah we'll get, we'll get into that i think I know what yeah you're we can get about. into that later right I, th- but I think i know what you're talking about but i yeah <laughs> I have words. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And I've got my opinion opinions on those too. But back to, I guess, more of a synopsis or my thoughts on the show. I'm trying to keep this spoiler free for now. Uh, it is a show, I guess, that will like push you to question how you perceive your wishes, your goals, whatever like you you consider as an objective of yours throughout life. How you go about your life and interact with people. This show heavily alludes to Freudian terminology a lot. I, I know some people might cringe at that or wince like, oh, like, oh Freud never actually practiced some science or like, oh, he was like all coked up uh, when he was doing his experiments. There is some basis, I think, some actual scientific basis to his theories. And Anno, the director slash creator of the show, 
uses those the Freudian terminology quite heavily. And and you'll see that even in, in the episode and the the title sequences for each episode, you'll you'll see further and for, further uh Anno I'm referring to yeah, the director of the show alluding to uh, alluding to to these themes and to uh the psychophysical nature of our reality or how we perceive our reality yeah and i i love that about the show i think it is something i never truly thought i was missing out of an anime Uh, to be quite frank i was very unimpressed i guess at like the ability for anime shows to like delve deeper than just like very like basic uh emotion human emotions and to go through like very basic or simplistic human trauma or or adversity like i guess uh, i am a little bit biased because i've only seen really shonen type animes but nevertheless it manages to disguise itself as a typical shonen show like a typical monster of the week gotta gotta kill a new angel oh every new like oh me New Angel popped up this week. We got to go kill it, guys. To something that delves deeper into the human psyche and what makes us people. Yes. On the flip note, if you want a show that delves into quantum mechanics paired with biomechanics and psychology, this is also the show for you. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Plug into (laughs) nuclear physiology and. Um, and how the quantum realm works. I don't know what you show about that as well, outside of, you know, teenage angst. This is the show for you. <laughs> it delves actually deeper than just teenage angst because like Shinji as a character is, is an incredibly flawed human being. And you'll understand that from the get-go, from the very nature, from the very opening scene, you, you see how his surroundings have, have molded him and his his past trauma has molded him into... The person he is at that moment, or at the very beginning of the show, to the very to the very end, and well, we'll see that, and not just Shinji, but also in the characters that you see, all the guys hanging out at Nerve HQ. For some reason, they they can't hire a good psychologist because everybody's got some trauma that's really <laughs> fucked up, that that really gets in the way of them actually being able to to do work and save humanity. <laughs> yeah, what really happened on the second impact was it killed all of the psychologists in the world, and then they said, <laughs> "Yeah, we have progressed past the need for psychology," which is not what actually happened. No, right? Yeah, it's like they they somehow. Like we're in the interview process is like, oh, let's let's find the most fucked up human beings possible and let's have them in the highest positions <laughs> in this organization and, yeah. and, you know, keep, make sure that they're pre- protecting humanity. Yeah. Really? It's what just what one could guy. go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> one guy pretty much just ruins the whole world and that's Gendo Akari. Just the- oh, hey, spoilers. Oh my God. Well, <laughs> I don't know if that's really a spoiler. That's just, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, to break it down, uh, Gendo is Shinji's father. Uh, Gendo Ikari, uh, he uh, is also happens to be leader of Nerve, or Nerve. So good for him. He's got a lot going for him. Yeah, and with him, he's got yeah. <laughs> and with him, we've got a bunch of lovable uh, side characters in. And we got Misato, Misato? Captain. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. Misato. Misato. Uh, uh, the loving caregiver for Shinji. Appar- apparently really attractive in the show. 
Yeah, so, there's Gendo, there's Misato, there's he's got three classmates that he's friends with. There's Ray Ayanami, who is another Ava pilot who is pretty quiet and is kind of just I don't want to say like disheveled or broken, but like she's constantly kind of just banged up and has like bandages on her most of the time, just from like different fights and whatnot. It, it's kind of just you know what happens before you don't really know what happens before you meet Shinji and what happens to her at least. And so, I mean, unless we get into spoilers, which we're not going to yet. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, Ritzko. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I'm terrible with these pronunciations. Yeah, that's that, that's what I meant. Okay. And then there is the dude. The dude that is, you know, Misato's lover and the uh, caregiver to one single Asuka, who is another able pilot. And kind of like kind of a love interest for the main character, kind of not. That's a bit of a spoiler, you know. I don't I don't know. <laughs> Man, we are not doing good with these like no. spoiler free sections. <laughs> no, but it's it, it's hard to talk about the show without spoiling certain elements of it. Yeah. Right now, if 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 you if you're listening right now and you haven't watched the show, I I'd stop right now and go go watch the show. Oh, you're just gonna it, take it, control it, of the podcast and and tell people when we're gonna start and stop the spoilers. <laughs> is that what you're doing? Sorry, yeah, this, this is now no longer your podcast. I hijacked it. Sorry. <laughs> oh, actually, I hijacked it back when you were with me. Oh shit! Put the rug underneath me. Because of my tragic backstory, I learned how to properly rehijack my podcast. <laughs> and you never knew. Nani? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Long story short, angels come to town. They, they beat up some angels. There are some characters that are important to Shinji's life, and we'll get into that. And one of which is another Ava pilot, or the two Ava pilots are also pretty important. One of which has a pretty... A seemingly decent relationship with his with his father, which he does not. His relationship with his father is terrible because his father does not acknowledge him as like a human being outside of his ability to pilot an Ava. And then there's Asuka, who is a extremely abrasive, like thirteen year old girl who also pilots an Ava and doesn't isn't like very nice to him. Uh, only but only in like key situations where she's super nice to him. Nobody, nobody is cool at thirteen. Like no, 12. no, we're we're all learning, all figuring this this yeah. shit out. No, nobody's got it. Nobody at. really is cool until like you learn how to drive. Right. Yeah. Then, then, then you can be cool whipping around in your mom's car for sure. <laughs> well, I think it has something more to do with like responsibility. Oh well, yeah, yeah. The responsibility adds a, a layer to it. Like, oh, I can, I can't, I, I can drive this without crashing it. Um. So responsible and cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you yeah. learn a little bit of what it means to hold people's lives in your hands, yeah. which a lot of people struggle with when they first start driving. Oh yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. It's it's a harder concept to grasp, especially so, early on when you're driving. Yeah, but just imagine instead piloting piloting a giant mech suit that could destroy entire cities in a single blow yeah. before <laughs> you turn sixteen. Right. <laughs> I uh, can't say. No, yeah, I can't say. I've uh, been in too many situations with that, you know, piloting mech suits. It's not my forte. I wasn't sure. I thought you were a mech pilot, and that's why I'm here on this podcast. <laughs> oh, damn. I'm, I'm sorry. I've, I've ruined your expectations. You have failed uh, for the last time. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, just to get into some stuff that's non-spoiler, uh, usually I like to talk about music and animation. The music in the show to me oh, yeah. is very reminiscent of like uh, Superman a little bit. And I don't know if they do that intentionally, but if you ever listen to like the part where, if you ever like really listen to the part where they like shoot an Evangelion into the city to like fight an angel, like the music that they're playing sounds almost exactly like old school Superman. Really? Yeah. That's, that's something I never noticed, or I guess I haven't really seen a whole lot of old school Superman. Neither have I, but I've seen like small clips and, and whatnot uh, over the years since I've, you know, since I first watched Evangelion. And so I've kind of, mm-hmm. un, you know, attached that to memory. But yeah, I think like they try to get a little bit of that in there. Uh, it sounds a lot like Transformers sometimes. Um, and that was another thing that was on Tsunami was like early 90s Transformers. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, pre-Megan Fox Transformers. Um, yeah. You know, not to get too deep into it, but as I said before, probably one of the greatest opening themes in all of anime. Oh, yeah. Cruel Angel Thesis, beautiful. Just like perfectly encapsulates like what an opening should be like yep. and make you feel. It gets you hyped for the show. If you don't know what we're talking about, I am using it, or I used it for the introduction to the show. So you should <laughs> you should go back and listen to it if you weren't really paying attention. Yeah, it's sick. It's awesome. Breakdancing Jesus. Breakdancing Jesus. The whole works. <laughs> yeah. The next thing is animation. Animation is decent. It's it's pretty like what David and I talked about with Full Metal Alchemist was it doesn't get lazy so shows like you know long running shows like naruto and one piece sometimes bleach dragon ball z like sometimes the animation you get pretty lazy when it comes to like fight scenes and you know just generally a lot of people post like pictures of lazily drawn anime or naruto animation which is why i kind of use it as that you know, stepping stone for whether or not something is good animation versus like lazy animation. Because, you know, like animation gets better over the course of time. Like that's, you know, kind of how it is. But I feel like uh, Neon Genesis has like kind of timeless and extremely well drawn and put together animation. I agree with you 100% with that. So I don't know if you have anything else to say about that, but. No, yeah, it's all just tightly woven in there and we we can go further into it once we get into the spoiler section about individual scenes Uh but it perfectly encapsulates the themes gone throughout the show and uh yeah i just really enjoy the art style the art style like you can see that it's older but it never feels like dated or very shabby work you can clearly see that they put in a lot of effort to make it feel fluid make it feel alive and you know the the animation isn't static you these characters have like are living breathing characters that you can sort of imagine interacting in this this world you know it, it seems it helps make it more believable for sure yeah absolutely 100 percent in agreement with that that's a that was a great way to put that into perspective um, and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get into the individual scenes when we get into the spoiler section. But before we do that, we're going to take a short break and then go into the sport plot spoiler section and kind of really just delve into what we think about the show. In a nutshell, uh, I think you should watch the show. Obviously, I'm making a podcast about it, but I don't know if I put it on my top five or my top ten. I don't know if I like. I don't know if I put it on like a list of, of top anime, but it's one of those things you just have to watch. 
that last part, I will agree with you. To me, I think this is <laughs> top three. Uh, definitely, honestly, maybe, uh, definitely like number one, actually, like, of greatest anime of all time for me. This this is something that will stick with you for a very long time afterwards. It, it will move you while you're watching it, and it will continue to make you think and ponder about the themes and the events that occurred well after you watched it. All right. So you heard it here first. You should, if you haven't watched the 1995 show, <laughs> Genesis Evangelion, then you probably should do that. Yeah. So. I'm back uh, from our from our short break. As uh, well. Got it. Another glass of sake. Decided to <laughs> purchase a bottle of good good sake from a, a local place. So, <laughs> oh, well, what is what is the beer that Masato drinks? Okay, oh. it's definitely <laughs> piss water. That's for sure. <laughs> Damn. It's either that or it's an IPA. I mean, <laughs> if it's Misato, like she. Is either drinking piss water or an IPA. Oh, I'm going with piss water then. You know, you've seen how she keeps that apartment going or how she maintains it. It's definitely, she doesn't give a shit what she's drinking. She's just trying to get drunk. It's almost like the Virginia house. <laughs> right. Piss Too many flashbacks. And, <laughs> piss water and uh, toss some cans in the sink. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit more about the about me and Nemesis and Gillian and the spoiler section, so here's your spoiler alert. If you haven't turned off the podcast by this point or before the break, you should definitely do so now. Definitely do not listen to the rest of this podcast until you watch the show. Or do. I mean, I don't really care what you do. <laughs> you yeah. If you're the kind of that person that enjoys spoilers, yeah, go for it. But we're about to remove the restraints on this conversation. Ooh. Ooh. Remove the oh, restraints. Yeah. What yeah. Wow. Good pull. <laughs> The thing about Shinji Ikari is that his dad is a terrible person, and that's like kind, of, kind of one of the first things you're introduced to, is that he doesn't have any family members. He is on his own, even though he has his father. Or I should say he doesn't have any family members that like live with him or care about him. Um, yeah. So he has his father who runs the uh, the group Nerve, which kind of just runs the world now because they're the only organization that can defend the world from these things called angels. The, uh, the first or the second impact, which was a cataclysmic event that we talked about earlier, was caused by making connection with the mysterious beings known as the angels and basically destroyed the Arctic and Antarctic um, poles, like shifted the world's axis and caused complete mass climate change and also caused like a bunch of wars and an establishment of like one world government. Uh, yeah, pretty much so. Yeah, also ended up killing like half of the world's population along with it. Oh, right. Did I miss that part? <laughs> just a tiny detail. Yeah, just a yeah, either, either way, uh, yeah, a lot of fucked up shit happens right, right before Shinji gets the... Well, actually not right before. It has happened 15 years before Shinji is even, you know, gets the call. Yeah. To join Nerve. But, you say, so you said half the population was wiped out? Yeah, I, I believe half the population was wiped out, at least from what I remember watching. I believe Misato <laughs> like mentioned that passingly, I think, in a conversation. Yeah, that's perfectly balanced. 
like all things should be. Oh, right. <laughs> it's secretly Thanos was actually the one who caused the second impact. Wow, who would have thought? It's actually Thanos. <laughs> Uh, no, so that's just like the basis of the story. They kind of go back into the split or into those memories whenever they have to talk about like why we have the Avas, you know, where we got the Avas. And these, we mentioned that name a lot. So these Avas are giant mech suits that look, that are like humanoid in structure. I'm going to start with humanoid in structure and we'll go into that further <laughs> detail it's later. Fair. It's hard to explain really what Ava truly is, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah, but just think of like kind of like transformers that don't transform into cars and they're piloted by 13-year-old children for mm -hmm. some reason. That part I don't think was ever truly explained. And to be honest, <laughs> add that on to the running list of things that are, are never really truly explained to a very satisfying degree in this show. Okay, so uh, the show's gonna do that a lot. <laughs> uh, it, it's going to throw some concepts at you that are sort of half explained, sort of mysterious, left very vague, but open to interpretation. Because um, as we'll get into, it's, uh, it's I, at least I think it, it's not really the main focus of the show is is not the lore, but actually just the the human interactions, the human experiences of the pilots themselves. I agree. I agree. I think it's very reminiscent of what, there's a there's another show or movie that I'm thinking of that's kind of a lot like that. I just watched this movie. I'm gonna remember it and I'm gonna absolutely <laughs> hate myself later. But where yeah, like you said, where they don't they they don't use the show's lore as its plot telling device. They use like the interactions as its plot telling device. Yeah. At the same mm -hmm. time, the lore is relatively important to Shinji's development and the other characters' development as well. You know, what happens when they have better synchronization levels with their Avas, which is right. one of the drive you know, one of the driving things is for whatever reason, these mecha suits are tied to the pilot's like neuro like waves, I think. I'm pretty sure. Neuro waves. Yeah. Yeah. And it's unclear how uh, Ray is able to connect with her Ava, but the, the way that they've been able to achieve the synchronization and how these kids are able to pilot their, their, their robots, their giant mech suits, is because it turns out that uh, part of the souls of the mothers of these kids wow. is actually you really infused. the spoiler. Ooh. Well, this is the spoiler section here, so I'm Ooh. dropping it pretty hard. <laughs> I was going to work my way into that point, but yeah, okay. Go off, King. <laughs> it, it's hard. Uh, I mean, but, but yeah, so the way they're able to achieve the synchronization or the, re the whole reason they're able to pilot these mech suits at all is because the, their, their lost family members, their, their mothers specifically, are infused into these suits. The souls, somehow they figure out a way the scientists have nerve, nerve, they're, they're geniuses. They managed to put a human soul into a giant robot. <laughs> so good good for them. As well as supercomputers. Oh, yeah, and supercomputers and stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, really what it comes down to is all these mecha suits and uh, supercomputers are basically like the essence of people's mothers. And fathers don't really matter in this entire show. Just at all. <laughs> 
at least they're the cause of hardship and suffering yeah. for Shinji, at least. Which, uh, since this took place in the 90s, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like, people yeah. don't really have, like, people really didn't have great relationships with their fathers back then, I want to say. Yeah. No, just, you know, going back to the plot a little bit, you know, going back to when you first meet Shinji, yeah. just a, a uh, kind of a ragtag kid who <laughs> has no idea what he's doing. I don't even know if he, like, remembers most of his life. <laughs> it's all probably honest. been just a blur of just trauma, moving on from one trauma to the next, just being perpetually lonely and depressed. You, yeah. you see that, like, very early on for who Shinji is Yeah. Um, from the very he, first scene. He doesn't have any friends. He's kind of moved around. He ran away from his father at, like, a younger age, so he's just kind of been living on his own since then. Don't know how yeah. he's been surviving, but, like, uh-huh. <laughs> he's just kind of been around, I guess. He's been living on the streets. Yeah, um, he's a scrappy um, kid, I guess. Yeah, even though he's, you know, a bit of a wuss. <laughs> pretty, so, pretty much so. I don't think that part, I mean, obviously that part doesn't matter what happens to Shinji prior to him being introduced to the story outside of like his relationship with his father. You know, and towards the beginning, you meet uh, Rei and Misato, you, you meet Gendo Ikari, who is responsible for literally everything wrong in the show. Um, <laughs> and also part of like the I Did Not Explain This Club which if you want to play a drinking game with this podcast, you can drink every time we say that thing that's really not explained well. So, <laughs> oh God, you want, you, you want them to be able to sit through this, you know, they're going to be passed out in, in the next 30 minutes. Hey, look, man, it's a Friday. If they want to listen to it on a Friday and make it into a game, let's say it's raining or something. Yeah, yeah, go know. off. Yeah, hell yeah. Cheers, brother. I'll drink to that. <laughs> Cheers, brother. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we meet all these people. Shinji kind of is just thrown into the mix and his his dad's just like hey you're here because i want you to pilot this ava he doesn't really know that and then uh, angel attacks the city and they're like oh we don't have any you know pilots right now like hey 13 year old kid who just arrived into town like (laughs) piloting this monstrosity of human technology like biomechanical human technology and yeah, but <laughs> take out this like potentially planetary destroying entity yeah yeah the whole first scene is like so iconic you know it's just silence just nothingness just empty city shinji's just chilling out just like oh fuck, all right well i got a weird call from my dad i haven't seen him in like for 13 years what the fuck and then all of a sudden a giant alien comes fucking attacking and wipes out all these like different, um, basically wipes out like the entire Japanese military or whatever military is protecting Tokyo 3 at the time. And it's like, like Japanese, it's something like the Japanese defense front or something like that. Yeah, so I don't remember them saying like the acronym. I just don't remember what exactly the acronym is, but yeah, oh God, what, what, an, what an iconic scene. Yeah, you're right, yeah, he, he gets thrust right into the middle of this, not knowing what the hell to do, and we get our first uh, our, our first meme in like the first like 10 minutes of the show. Is um, you, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? No. So it's um, get in the Ava, Shinji, or Ray will have to get in again, or oh man, I'm, I'm butchering this, but it's... Um, you're not a meme king. You're not a meme lord. <laughs> I know I'm not a mean lawyer. I'm sorry. It's um yeah, like you get in, get in the Ava Shinji, 
or Ray will have to get it or I'll have to do it again. <laughs> and like Gendo is just being very cold and very, very distant throughout the, this whole process. He's looking down on, on Shinji, uh, making him feel worthless. And then like, not only is he like toying, well, you know, this is his first interaction with his father in, in, in years, but he's doing this when a alien is about to come and kill everybody. Yeah. And we, we, we see Ray introduced at her basically lowest you know she is broken she she, she's like basically in a cast like you you know that that character in that one spongebob episode when they're like trying to sell chocolate my arms and legs are glass (laughs) yeah every time i wake up i have a heart attack yeah that that's ray she is yeah one 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 foot in the grave she's like one takes one step and she's like breaking like five bones Yeah, but that's for completely different reasons, which we'll talk about later. It's pretty fucked up. What oh, yeah, it's super fucked up. It happens oh, to Ray and why she's always just kind of slightly beat up. By but yeah, so Shinji, Shinji pilots the able, which is just completely stressful. And they're like, oh my gosh, his sink rates off the charts. But they go in, so they say that at the beginning, and then I notice something towards the end when Asuka is having trouble piloting her Ava. Spoiler alert, Asuka has trouble piloting her Ava because she's stressed out and, like, super depressed. But, like, mm-hmm. she, she just is stressed out and super depressed. But, like, oh, he's fine. He'll just fight a, you know, extremely powerful being for the first time ever without any proper training. Yeah. Because that no. works. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's clear. It, it fails miserably. Shinji has a terrible time controlling the Ava. Man, wow, what? God, they, they, they like, hype the shit out of this, especially, again, going to, like, subverting your expectations. Like, you think, like, oh, okay, like, Shinji's thrust into this role. He's, he's uh, You think, like, oh, he, he's totally going to kill it. You know, he, he's, he's going to be a complete natural at piloting this Ava, and he's about to beat the shit out of this angel. Yeah. And, like, he literally, <laughs> yeah, he takes his yeah. first step and is, like, falling over. Yeah, he gets a shit kicked in. He yeah. suffers, like, multiple head contusions. Um, <laughs> because, like, also, the Ava is connected to, because it's connected to the human, like, the human experiences pain every time the, every time the Ava gets hit, as if you, them themselves were getting hit. And um, that is not a fun experience for these pilots while they're getting absolutely obliterated. Right, yeah. Like, when, when like, they, they rip an arm off an Ava, like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, the, it just feels like someone ripped your, your actual arm off. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, that's good for the psyche. Oh, right, yeah. It's, that's really going to help encourage these kids to, to get over their traumas. <laughs> Nothing like jumping into this mech suit for the first time and suffering multiple head contusions. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Shinji gets his ass handed to him by the by this angel. Oh, man, I forgot what the, the, the name of the angel is in the so, very first episode you gotta help me out here yeah uh it is i want to say it's sakiel sakiel that makes sense yeah. oh a hint or just a fyi for all you guys listening all the angels they they will end all their names end with ell which is an allusion towards uh just like they're godly creatures in the Hebrew tradition or like, especially like in the Kabbalah, which uh, the, the show heavily takes uh, notes from, or at least applies principles of Jewish mysticism into the show. Uh, that, that is the word for God or godly creature. Hmm. Uh, except for Sandal Farm. Sandal Farm? Yeah, or 
Sandal Farm, the eighth angel. Oh, which angel? Which angel number was that? The eighth one. That's the one. Oh, the eighth one. Yeah, that's the only one without a um, without an L at the end. Well, there's Tabris, which is the seventeenth angel, also Shinji's ex-boyfriend. Or <laughs> uh, yeah, Kawari. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce his name? I'm I'm terrible so. with Japanese pronunciations. No, it's oh boy. No, Kawaru. Kawaru, okay. Kawaru. Um, yeah, this is, this is gonna, I'm gonna struggle bust this yeah, you are pronunciation. Over, over like five. <laughs> Call you Russell Westbrook. Kabbalah is more of like a, I wouldn't say it's like a sect of Judaism, it's like a philosophy. It's breaking down the mystical elements of our relationship with God and trying to, uh, look inward instead of looking outward into the relationship oh. that we that we have with our surroundings mm-hmm. um I'm the, this is my rudimentary knowledge of kabbalah i have not really really studied it i just know that um a couple of i guess like the philosophical like uh key terms and uh some of some of the imagery that they use and they use quite a bit of it actually and actually it, you, you can see it from the very get-go in in the very first scene of the uh of the opening um credits is you you see uh, oh man it's uh the seven uh it's like the tree of life i believe it's called yeah. uh, don't quote me. It, it's it's the it's the seven circles connected together and it flashes down in the in the introductory scene in the uh opening credits and that is uh basically like the seven connectors kind of like bringing life together or like the way you find meaning in life something like that i'm sure someone with serious knowledge of kabbalah or or you could ask madonna because apparently she's very into it if you ever get her on the show you should totally ask her about this and she can help bridge the gap a little bit more about so, what's going on with the religious iconography. Interestingly enough, like the tree of life is also a concept featured but never discussed in Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it's the, and I didn't know this until I actually went and rewatched Neon Genesis was I had to look up the terminology, like this symbol where there's these circles like attached to you know this this central structure and i didn't know that's what it was called until rewatching the show last week but it's also featured on the door of truth in full metal alchemist which is a plug to for you to watch that show oh shit that's wild okay yeah that, that's really got me okay yeah i really need to watch that show i had no idea they they, they were sorry dabbling in any of those themes yeah they don't dabble in it from like a you know, in your face, this is definitely like a Christian or Judaism or Judeo-Christian theme, but the tree of life itself is actually featured in that show. Regardless, from a Christian standpoint, which I grew up uh, Catholic, but the the angels are in reference to, if you want to take it from a Christian standpoint, or a reference to like the original angels, um, which, I mean, if you're a Christian, Pretty much, if you go to heaven, like you are an angel at some point, you know, depending on which which part you believe in. But the original angels are basically demigods. If you want to talk it from about it from like a mythology standpoint, which mm-hmm. you know, yeah, they're they're not formerly human, transcendent beings that exist within the realm of God, but are also not human. So that's uh, 
I mean, that's basically what these angels are as well. They just happen to be maybe attacking the world. Yeah, for some mysterious, unknown reason at the time. Mm-hmm. Or just, yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to do something on, on planet Earth. It's never exactly clear or well understood why they're attacking, but they do want something on Earth and so, something nerve to protect it. <laughs> do they actually ever attack anybody until they're attacked? Uh, I guess in a sense, like they're attacking the door or like the wall between whatever they want and uh, themselves. You know, like they're they're attacking the barrier. And humans yeah. have to be happen to be the barrier, basically. If that yeah. makes sense, or a nerve, in their so, massive underground HQ. Yeah, but these angels like don't blatantly attack like humans. Like they they yeah. don't like go out of their way to like just bombard the entire world. No, um, yeah, they're they're congregating towards one specific point on the planet, and that that is uh, at Nerve HQ. Yeah, which you know is conveniently featured <laughs> a extremely prominent city with millions of people. Yeah. So instead of putting Nerve HQ in the middle of nowhere so that nobody would get hurt, they decided to put it in a city. <laughs> right. It was, yeah, that, that, that's logical. <laughs> 100% those fault. Yeah. Basically, yeah, Gendo is uh, the catalyst to a lot of the problems that the city of Tokyo 3 <laughs> faces yeah. and Shinji. So, so yeah, Gendo, no, no, off to a great start. If you're not taking shots, drink for every time we say that it's Gendo's fault. <laughs> because that will happen a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Gendo's faults uh, or Gendo's problems uh, manifest themselves in very unhealthy ways. And that is, uh, you know, through his unhealthy relationship through with his son. He doesn't know how to be a father. Yeah. And he also doesn't know how to be a good leader because he uh, obviously is using Nerve for other nefarious purposes. You'll, you'll get this throughout the dialogue and with his right-hand man. Man, I, I am so bad at this. But what, what, what is, you know, the dude with the white hair? What's his name again? Yeesh, you're testing me. I have to, like, look up all these things. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it matters. Honestly, yeah, to be honest, the, the plot, as, as much as how deep it is, it really doesn't matter at the very end. Because, again, the show subverts your expectations. And I know, I know, but it's going to pull the rug on you constantly, right underneath you. You think, like, oh, like, oh, shit, okay, so, like, Shinji's not this, like, very peppy or, or like, very enthusiastic teenage boy who's going to overcome his challenges, you know very quickly or like learn from his mistakes or like, Oh, there, there's all this religious icon, iconography. What's going on with that? And it's like, Oh, like, uh, man, it, it's just so hard to like <laughs> find like a starting off point on, on where to get to like the actual main points of, of, of this, of the show or of the series. Are there any actual main points to the series? Um, yes, there is, but, I want to hear what, what what do you think? What do you think is are the main points of the show? Um, well, if we go with the the show ending, mm-hmm. with the original way that the show ends, I should say. Yes. The main point of the show is a commentary about prepubescence, depression, 
and the struggle with that societally from both like a male and female way like asuka is a very prominent main character so you know mm-hmm. going through her struggles as well oh yeah um, we, we should talk more about asuka actually too uh, she she deserves to be spoken about quite a bit yeah i i although i do think like asuka and misato are like a little sexist like the way that they're depicted are they like sexualized or no, are they no, um, like it's you know well yeah that's part of it is like the sexualization not from Shin, not just from shinji but like from other people as well of you know a a 13 year old girl and b like asuka is like pretty mean in general i think also the way that they depict misato is you know like she's super smart and like kind of like a power power person in general for the same oh, yeah, time she's like, an authority figure for sure her relationship with Kaji is just... And, and you see that that's the contradiction. And that's like the, the whole back and forth, the whole duality of man. You know, you, you have these personas or like these images of yourself that you'd like to keep up towards people or how people perceive you. But in reality, so what, what people perceive about you could be very different for how, how you perceive yourself or how like the actions or impulses that you do. And we, we see that throughout. But um, before we get into that, I'd like to, again, go back to... What do what, what you think are, like, the main points of the show? Oh, yeah. So I think it's really, like, a struggle. With, if you bring up for the first ending, it's, like, a struggle with depression. And, mm-hmm. you know, working past that. If, if Again, if you go with the original ending, it's everything's in his head. He actually has, like, a relationship with his father and with his mother, even though his dad's, like, his dad's obviously fairly not absent from his life, but isn't, like, super friendly, I want to say. Mm-hmm. He's still not a bad dude. Like, he just kind of, like, looks at his paper the whole time at the end. And his mom's there, and she just kind of, like, does the mom stuff, I guess. <laughs> just being, like, a regular mom. Oh, yeah, yeah. To, yeah, to jump to the very, yeah, very last episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, it's, it's, I remember now. It's coming clearly now. And, like, Asuka is just, like, the demanding friend who wants a lot of attention. And, and Ray's, Ray's just, like, a girl from school that nobody really knows that she just transferred in or something like that right so right that's the whole like slice of life kind of scene yeah so something that's something that or that image or that scene was something that uh shinji wish could have been you know he wished he had like a normal life or like he wished he could make these connections and just you know just be a school kid or whatever just you know be a normal 13 year old boy or is it how that's actually how it is but all of this other stuff is just his imagination what if all of this is actually just his imagination and just like symbolism for how he feels about himself and the world around him and none of it is actually happening i think you might be onto something some people agree with but because i've seen that theory around which was what i originally thought when i first watched the show and if you watch like the original ending like it's pretty fair if you want to go from the show's perspective where it's not all in his head it's what happens when he actually like ends the world and instead creates an entirely new world where everything is okay you know like a, like a basically like a heaven on earth kind of thing right yes yeah uh but and the heaven on earth just happens to be just regular life and at least shinji's heaven yeah is uh just a regular life maybe for someone else but for him in this uh and in, in, in this perception in his mind that that's what it is yeah yeah but if we go with the second ending it's more touching on the issues with humanity 
and how we're essentially destined to fail and that nothing that we do is going to ever be right because it's ultimately going to end in our own destruction unless we like attempt to evolve and better understand each other, which spoiler alert, if you watch the movie doesn't happen. Like we, we we do end up essentially just killing like ourselves (laughs) and it's all a single human selfish human's fault because he wanted to put it in the hands of a, his 13 year old son who has to make a decision and so if you watch the original ending and interpret that he makes the right decision there and if you watch the alternate ending essentially which is the movie then or the end of evangelion is yeah. you know about him basically just ending the world and he's just start him and asuka are just like stuck on a planet or I don't know if it's actually him and Asuka. I think it's him and his like uh, his mind's projection of Asuka. Uh, it could be. There, 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 it's it could. It, there's a lot of open interpretation to the ending. It's not um, really well explained. No, yeah, not very well explained at all. No, Take another drink a, for that. That's a drink <laughs> for sure. Oh, multiple drinks. But honestly, to be frank, I. I'm going to have to respectfully disagree with that assessment of the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that assessment. I think, personally, that the ending of the end of Evangelion and the ending of the series Evangelion is our two sides of the same coin. We, yeah. we see, uh, basically, in the very end, you know, two last episodes of, of the series, we see the... Um, I guess like mental or if we delve deep into Shinji's mind and we see the uh, uh, what's happening there with how human instrumentality or the project and how uh, the merging of all of humanity's souls is you know being dealt with within Shinji's head because he is the catalyst for uh, for all of that he I guess like Gendo decided that like uh, you know what who you know who would be a great idea or who would be a great candidate to make sure that we all turn into primordial soup and become one my son that would be a great candidate we should have all put this on my 13 year old kid <laughs> so in the last two episodes it breaks down how the TV show has been structured from at this point and we go through how Shinji handles these emotions of what he's previously been dealt with and i think uh in the movie it is more of like that physical manifestation of what's been going on inside shinji's head basically and honestly we we get more of an emphasis on shinji's necessity to overcome these barriers or how he perceives uh, the world around him or how he views himself this is controversial to a lot of people I'm sure you, you've read up a little bit on the controversy surrounding the, the, the last two episodes, right, of the series. I don't really, I didn't really want to get into it just because I, I wanted to go into this more blank than oh. and, and, and have that discussion. But if you would like to delve further into that, I would. Be yeah, just out of like a little bit of context, because like the movie didn't come out exactly like right after no. the ending of the, of the show. No, people this were mad, was after. Oh yeah, people were super pissed off at the direction the show took at the last two episodes. Like they were really either frustrated, annoyed, questions swirled around. It's got a lot of hate actually. Apparently, like they went over to this like a 
couple of like crazy fans went over to the studio and like harassed the creator of the show and like vandalized the studio as well. And so like people took this very seriously. People were mad at the direction and at the ending of the show because it wasn't like what people expected. And I don't think this is what uh, the creator of the show expected either because uh, from the interviews that I've read and the research that I've done, this, I think the Ano, the director, clearly he wanted this to be more like a personal memoir or like his kind of guideline on how he handles his depression because- Sucks. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like-, like <laughs> If you watch the show, you're like, oh, man, that's a terrible way to handle your depression. <laughs> but like he, I think it's like genius in the way he does this because like it's never a straight line. Deal, dealing with and overcoming your fears, your wishes, your wants, your your depressive thoughts, like it isn't a straight journey. There is no easy way out of this. It's hardship after hardship and, and you're going to suffer through uh, a lot of different trials as you try to figure out how do I become the person I want to be? In that sense, that's what's the genius about this show is that there's layers upon layers on, upon it. There is on, on top, on the very, like, you know, like like an onion. Yeah. To, you know, ogres <laughs> you know, yeah. have layers. <laughs> Just like onions. <laughs> onions and oh, I was actually going to make that joke before you even finished, and then you went oh, out. Okay. So you beat me to it. I, I'm sorry, I beat you to the punchline. Yeah, I, I did. You set yourself. You set yourself up for that for sure. I did, and but but it, it's so true. As much of a silly example as it is, it, it's so true because like on the very top layer, this is like oh, oh, oh it's giant robots fighting fighting aliens, <laughs> monster of the week type bullshit that we've all we've all seen before. On the second layer, we get some like religious iconography, like oh what. Like what's going on here? Like there's all these re- references to different aspects of religion. How is this going to play into this deeper story now? Now, now the, the plot's getting getting a little deeper, and mm-hmm. then we, then we delve into the plot within Shinji himself. You know, the, his thoughts, the mind, what what he has to go through internally in order to become a, a person, to become an adult. Yeah. And and the struggles with, with that. Also um, carrying in the idea that, you know, humanity is actually a quantum being, which is, or a quantum controlling being, which is something that uh, a piece of philosophy that I've been doing a lot of research and, and reading on. And if you haven't watched, or if you haven't read the book, What is Real? I would recommend that. You know, as you mentioned, like the primordial soup and stuff like that, like Shinji himself, ends up being able to tap into his like quantum abilities and deconstructs his entire like sense of self and being and like literal structure into yeah and like merges with the Ava. Mm-hmm. So you know obviously that's that right that show but like mm-hmm. it's it's and not- weird things where you know obviously they're going as you said before like he's going through this this path of life but at the same time they're going into all these like extremely in-depth topics to to work their way around the, the human you know psyche and, and this depression issue that Shinji has. Yeah, you know, no, I, you know it does it doesn't tread lightly. It goes right into, you know, the, these uncomfortable topics that a lot of, you know, other shows that I'm sure like you're used to watching like they don't really like delve into at least like this deeply into the human psyche. 
you see Freudian concepts thrown all over the place with like ambivalence, the hedgehog's dilemma, the oral stage. There's a title sequence. <laughs> then like the title is actually like, I think the oral stage <laughs> it is yeah. in the title. Yeah. Don't remember what episode it is. Anno takes a huge number of influences from Freudian psychologists and, and Freudian researchers on how to maybe comprehend his own depression or his own psyche and also try and uh, understand the world around him. And in turn, that ter- influences the show quite heavily and how it handles the overarching events that's going to change humanity forever. And that's the Human Instrumentality Project. Which is basically the dissolving of all individuality. Yes. <laughs> to add more, even, even more confusion and layers to the show, uh, there's this concept that's not very well explained the, the base from wait, basically wait, wait, wait. did you say a concept oh. not very well explained <laughs> yeah take a note <laughs> take a shot oh, but that uh, also happens to be a mischievous plan devised by gendo akari so there's yeah, a double gendo, down shot yeah. for you <laughs> yeah so gendo ruins humanity once once more by trying to force this event called human instrumentality upon every single human being on the planet either willingly or unwillingly because on what nerve and the secret shadowy further secret shadowy organization seal what their goals are is to what seems like a good idea end human suffering but what they think is how they will end human suffering is by morphing everybody to what they see as like the very primordial or like beginning stage of human existence and it's like this very weird orangey type liquid that they want to turn everyone into so like basically everybody they're wanting to eliminate pain by removing everybody's mind and free will basically yeah because that um instead of like delving further into becoming quantum beings they decided to revert themselves into the original form which Mm -hmm. lacks you know obviously lacks uh individuality which was the apparently the original reason for humanity to exist but yeah um, it's also the root of all suffering as well like people suffer because they're individuals as abstract as that concept is yeah yep but i mean really what it comes down to is like especially with the plot the plot is a a bit arbitrary um (laughs) you know as you said before it's like monster of the week so it doesn't really matter in terms of like how they're progressing to fight the angels. Mm-hmm. It really only matters in regards to the other characters that are involved in that. There's no, you know, we got to beat the bad guy type plot. It's all like, you know, back to, you know, by ha- happening behind the scenes type stuff. Yes, 100% agreed. It's just, uh, yeah, really the how um, the three main characters. Well, I guess Shinji's the main character. I guess like I guess like I put Rain Asuka is like a tier below that, but not side characters for sure. Ooh, I don't know. Asuka's, Asuka's pretty main. I say so as well. I, I, yeah, and let me let me fix that because towards the end of, of the series, you get more into like what makes makes Asuka tick and what what made her turn into the person she is today. And this is quite tragic, actually, just really? the loss of her mother. You really have to trust the process with Asuka in terms of yeah, yeah. why she's the way that she is. <laughs> she's going to rub you off. Yeah, just fair warning. She's going to rub you off the wrong way. Very much so. 
and it's she, she rubs everybody off as this well, very bratty annoying that's disgusting dude how could you say something like that she's 13 now. <laughs> I, I wasn't saying it in a sexualized manner okay <laughs> that's also something i want to comment later on is the fandom around this show but but, but, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that we can get okay. to that at, at another point okay because <laughs> yeah man, there, so, there, there, there are so many things going on sorry yeah go ahead <laughs> yeah she does not she does not come off as a very friendly or supportive or warm individual yeah i don't think anyone really does in the show the only actually the only person that might come off is like a warm is like a warm friendly in, individual is his buddy from school and i want to say it's not suzuhara but the dude with the glasses oh yeah that guy is always recording shit yeah uh, kensuke I, I, aida aida yeah aida. yeah i think the someone's mil- got name the, mili- <laughs> the military buff oh yeah he's like super into like recording like combat and like just military vehicles doing doing stuff yeah yeah so so ida actually cares about it seemingly is like the warmest out of anybody and he's always kind of caught in like the middle ida is actually a pretty good character of what you feel like as a viewer you know a lot of people are in it for the mecca the mecca fights and whatnot which ida is 100 percent in it for the mecca fights (laughs) You know, he, he's got the, the that like teenage, you know, charm essentially. He doesn't have any family, I don't think. So he kind of just lives his life from a tent. Yeah, but, no one uh, really seems to have a whole lot of family no, over there. No, nobody really cares about family, which I think is an interesting allegory to life in middle school, too. Because, like, a lot of people, at least my interpretation of going through middle school, was you know, we all have all this angst and everyone is just kind of like, you know, pissed at each other and at the world and, you know, all these hormones are running around and, and nobody really, like, stops to think. This is something that my parents kind of, you know, instilled in me as time went on. It was, like, you never really know what's going on in someone else's life behind the scenes. Yeah. And I think, like, the idea that nobody actually knows who any of these people's parents are is pretty symbolic of how much kids actually care at that age about other people's, like, family structures and, you know, what happens, like, even if even though we know who Shinji's dad is and how much of a piece of shit he is, when does Aida or Suzuhara talk about that at all? No, never. They like never it's ask never him about the it. Picture. They just they just don't care. Yeah, just simply on the, the, the forefront of their minds. They, they just they could care less, I guess. Yeah. yeah I haven't so, really thought about that point actually. That's a good point. I think it's pretty um I think it's pretty symbolic of like how we go through our teenagers, especially, you know, because when you're that age, like before that age, you know, everything is done through your parents. So can I hang out with so-and-so? Can I, you know, do this? Can I do that? Like yada, yada, yada. But a lot of times when you go through your teenagers, it's like you have like a weird sense of independence and yet you're completely reliant on, you know, your family for or not all of us, obviously, like people have their own um, lives, but a lot of people are like completely relying on, you know, the food that's coming on the table or like the shelter that they're giving to their parents. But like, other than that, you know, I think it's a not, weird middle ground for sure. I think Just, I only really yeah. ever talked to, now that I think about it, like one parent out of the friends that I had in middle school, mm, wow. like maybe. <laughs> and she was like a helicopter parent in, in, in our eyes. And at the time, well, at the time, and now I'm like, she was an helicopter parent. She just, like, gave a shit. Yeah, she was just nice. She just hung around and be like, oh, okay. I'm just like, just, you know, like, being a parent. <laughs> asked me about what I, who I was. 
and yeah. that was unusual. Oh yeah. I feel like a lot of parents in middle school, especially like a lot of kids are like, no, don't talk to me. You know, don't talk to my friends. <laughs> like, don't talk to me more sent ever again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't you talk to me or my son? Um, yeah. But you know, I think, I think a lot of us, when we go through middle school, like unless your parents like a coach or something like that, you know, your problems aren't really showcased ever with your family. And not to say yeah. that I had problems with my family at the time, because I was fortunate enough to, that that part of the middle school wasn't really my issue. It was my issues with the people at my school. But no, right, yeah. It's it's uh, easier just to t- contextualize that, or maybe it's just something inherent at that age where you don't really, I guess, like gravitate towards like focusing in on the parents or like the the older people yeah. in the lives of your friends or the. The kids they interact with which is interesting yeah, because like that plays one of the biggest roles in like people's or at least in kids lives at that time is like in their personalities and whatnot and like depression is how they interact with their parents and like their family structures their support yeah. systems if you will yeah and that plays out a lot in in this show i guess the the lack of of parentage or the, or the lack of adults <laughs> of like actual adults you know teaching these kids how to be people yeah for sure yeah you see that time and time and again on just yeah on the complete lack of you know either asuka she like the only parent figure in her life i guess is kaji but like she is also like attracted to him so like that that's not helpful no or or the same like with 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 shinji the the only parent figure while his parent is is a dick and (laughs) masato i guess is uh, I guess the closest thing to a mother he's ever had, but but she's also has her own problems. She's not perfect. She's like grappling with her own uh, concepts of like how to be uh, a person or like how how to like be an adult herself. Yeah, which so is also not, entirely not yeah. her fault that like with her interactions with Shinji, like she never asked to be Shinji's parent essentially. No, she and never asked, not, but she she did ask to be her care, her caretaker, her his caretaker, because she did feel kind of bad for yeah. him at the very beginning. Sure, but that was when she first met him. Like she didn't give birth to him. No, yeah, that's like, that's true. And and his only birth parent, her boss, is like, no, nah, I can't deal with such trivial matters. <laughs> right, like dad of the of dad of the fucking year, right there. <laughs> He is one of the worst dads in anime. Yeah, pretty much by by far. I, I can't think of a worse dad, to be honest. And there's like really no redemption for him either. The the only type of like interaction you see at the very ending, at least of the series, is you see him congratulating Shinji after finally overcoming his, his trauma or like his uh, grappling with, with, with his self-identity. And then you see him and like I think in the couple ending scenes of the movie where he's like brutally murdered by it's Lilith, right? He gets brutally mur- murdered by Ray who is, you know, doing all that stuff with Lilith, the angel. Yeah. <laughs> it all gets very confusing, <laughs> but, but there's some, some shit in there. And I think there is some truth in there. Gendo is horribly murdered and, and he, he, he pays for the man he's become and the lack of parenting for sure. Yeah. I'm not going to say he deserves it, but he deserves it. Pointly said. Yeah. Uh, He's, like responsible for oh so a quick quick recap of what happens. I'm just gonna run through the plot just in a nutshell. It, this is gonna be two second plot, right? So yes. there's the second impact 
second impact was created, started by man's contact with Adam. Adam is the first human, technically, but he's also like the first angel, and he's situated in Antarctica. And so they find him there, which also, if you didn't know this, dark matter was discovered in Antarctica. So weird, weird uh, tie into that. And that was five years ago that they grappled with the concept of Adam in um, in Antarctica. Anyway, Adam like destroys the world, essentially, not destroys the world, but destroys the world as we know it um, in the year 2000. That's ultimately caused by Gendo because he wants to just rid the world of its problems by creating more yeah. problems. Genius. So, you know, he's at the forefront of this, he's not at the location of destruction. He was in part of the lead of this just discovery mission. And they're like, oh, well, actually, turns out he was back in Japan with his wife and kid. You yeah. know, just, just so happens on the same day that this like, impact. <laughs> oh, you, you can't forget about the wife, though. What's going on with her? We can't forget to add on to the plot, Gendo's wife, Myster- uh, Yui, mysteriously dies. Oh, yeah. She ends up being like a precursor to the Human instrument- Instrumentality Project by mm-hmm. placing her conscience inside or like her soul inside Ava Unit 1, which is the the arc to become the uh, merger of humanity into one central being. So that is, uh, or essentially just like creating a guide by merging all human souls. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Could be something, yeah, something godlike at least. Something otherworldly for sure. Yeah. Or it would be completely worldly. Yeah. <laughs> the world um, as we know it. Oh, can't forget though, that's also a main driving point for Gendo because... His wife's dead. He thinks like, oh, I can bring her back by starting human human instrumentality. Yeah. But he's all banking it on his son, who happens to be a depressed 13-year-old kid who he's neglected for most of his life. So good job, Gendo. Smart. Gendo, you've really done a wonderful job thus far. Yeah. Genius plan. Yeah. Couldn't have done it better myself. But yeah, so he kind of runs the world. He is a cool dictator who doesn't care about people too much and only really cares about his end goal, like the means to an end, which means to an end being allowing these angels to blow things up and putting people's lives in danger. And basically he rolls the dice a bunch and, you know, hundred-sided dice and hoping that it doesn't land on this insane impossibility or that (laughs) impossibility, like this just complete bastardization of odds. And he's like, okay, so like every single fight that Shinji gets in is like like a 0.2% chance of success. <laughs> yeah. And like they like just barely get through these uh, encounters with alien, with the angels by like the skin of their teeth. Yeah. Except turns out like he knows that it's going to end up working out just because like he's constructed the entire this entire thing. And yeah, yeah, the the whole thing is a farce just to lead to I guess unlocking the secrets of figuring out how to start human instrumentality. Yeah. And and Ray is his lab rat um to do so, which she's basically just like a, a not a carbon copy. She's a depends on which which Evangelion you watch. She's either an angel in and of her in and of herself, or she's a an Ava. From which, what I understand, oh sorry, go ahead. 
is interesting because she's a human technically yeah. and, and it's like her consciousness is basically re-uploaded every time she dies into a different clone which is why she's always banged up yeah she she is like the definition of someone who is completely expendable her her life has no meaning and she like grapples with that it's like um ray is like the third side the third hidden side to the polar opposites of Shinji and Asuka is because, you know, she is just a, a clone. She, she has no, no soul. She, she like doesn't have like any real meaning or any real thoughts in life because like, she's like realized that her life has no purpose other than to like what Gendo has ordered her to do. Yeah. And that's what she really cares about is doing what Gendo orders her to do. Yeah. You know, what's really odd, though, which I've never really wrapped my head around, is, like, you know that scene where, like, Gendo kind of, like, uh, it's, like, the accident scene or something, where, like, remember, like, she's, like, Ray yeah. is, like, sitting out uh, on, the, on the Ava, and, like, the Ava goes berserk, yeah. and she gets injured, and, like, Gendo goes out into the testing area and yeah. tries to get Ray and, like, burns her hands, it burns his hands. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on with that? Like, I don't really, to be honest, I couldn't put those two together. So my theory with that is, and, you know, it's not really well explained. Um, <laughs> and it's all Gendo's fault. <laughs> oh, um, double shots. Double shots. Oh, it's, it really would, every time, I, every time I'm going to say it's not really well explained, it, it seemingly ends up always being Gendo's fault. Yeah. Um, so, but my theory with that is that since she was in the Ava, like trapped in the Ava while that was happening, like they weren't going to be able to recover her if she, Oh, kind of like they were just using, they wanted her, her physically so they could do the transfer yeah, or something like that. Yeah. So I think he was like concerned about gathering her physically mm-hmm. and didn't, didn't want that to be an issue so that he could, you know, retain her soul or something like that. Or like the, the Ava and her soul were going to get found so that they couldn't extract it um, and replant it in a clone. And I think there's just something, something where they couldn't recover her soul be replaced into a into another version of herself the weird part is with that too is like every time she dies she doesn't remember her past so she dies once and she doesn't oh, yeah. really remember shinji or asuka or really anyone right. else she has like a feeling though she has like senses but she never can quite put it down like oh like I've had experiences with these people before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like ghost sensations from like the other side. Yeah. Yeah. She's also like (laughs) a copy of Lilith. So, which how did they get Lilith down there? By the way, I'm super. (laughs) Yeah. It's never really well explained either. How the fuck did they got like an angel just like pinned on a cross? No. (laughs) But what they what it comes to find out is like actually the. The thing you think is Adam is actually Lilith, and I may or may not have done that intentionally earlier when I said that they discovered Adam in the uh, in Antarctica, but really they discovered Lilith. Oh, oh, right, yeah. Yeah, but that's not also really well explained either. So, and that's in the list. Yeah, they trap her. They have this like spear her. For those who don't know, Lilith is actually the first woman, and she is depending on what you go with ends up being like the devil's consulate, I want to say. Yeah, she's like the mother of all demons, according to, uh, you know, Hebrew and 
Christian tradition, I think. Yeah, yeah. Commonly le- left out in. Um, <laughs> yeah, not, not, not in your typical Bible school no. <laughs> no, no, classroom. Because no. I had no idea who Lilith was until about three years ago. Yeah, just like the, the family member we don't talk about. Yeah. You no, know, we don't talk about that, uncle. The first wife. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, Lilith has been trapped in. Um, at the bottom of nerve headquarters and she has this spear like in her that doesn't allow her to have legs all of a sudden and like retain her being so yeah. she like pumps out these little like leg things at the bottom that are like i think <laughs> yeah just, really like, gross disgusting Im- yeah. imagery <laughs> which could be said for a lot of different things in the show yeah but the spear has a name the spear it's called the spear of longinus or the yeah. spear of longinus Depending on how you pronounce it, the spear. it is apparently apparently the the spear that was used to uh, basically kill Jesus when he's on the cross and like oh. quicken his his ending. Interesting. Yeah, hmm. and uh, I I'm not really sure how what it plays into. Um, it plays into like several different points in in the show. Yeah, so Ray uses it to kill this angel that's psychologically attacking uh asuka from yeah really orbit. Her up. yeah it's like using these wavelengths to really mess up her mind and heart at like the time that she definitely cannot handle it and mm-hmm. then um asuka uses it towards the end i want to say well it uses it to- against her actually because yeah. that's like the final nail in the coffin for asuka langley um after her her realization because in in the series it, it's never her 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 depression or, or like her trauma is like never fully resolved to the same degree as Shinji's is, mm-hmm. and so we we see Asuka gra- grapple with her loss, the loss of her mother, and her self realization that she can continue li- living on as a person without her mother being there. Mm-hmm. And she in this very famous scene that defines the latter half of the movie, she fights these mass produced Avas and is honestly kicking their ass, but then. Yeah. She coming out of nowhere. Yeah, she she loses power and coming out of nowhere, the spear of long giants comes through and just absolutely wrecks her like straight through the eye. Oh, uh, so that's actually not the original spear. No, I it, it could be. That's the thing because yeah, you remember the the first spear is stuck on the moon. It's like yeah. how the fuck did they get it out of the moon? Well, they they didn't. They just like made a new one. Oh, with like the mass produced. It it's all very confusing in that yeah explained very poorly wow, explained it's, it's it's been not very well explained <laughs> i'm already out of right. my second glass of sake <laughs> shit but yeah let's uh keep going through the plot here all right if, if you have more to say about the plot because uh no i i have that's oh there is the one thing i did want to touch on with something that was kind of glanced over in the netflix version but yes when we talked about with uh with being oh yeah the redubbing so the 17th angel is introduced towards the end of the uh, show. And there's this uh, basically, like the whole production is that once we get to the end of the angels, like we don't really know what's going to happen. Like we got to beat all these angels or else something's going to you know, go poorly. And then like, okay, well, mm-hmm. we beat the final angel. And then they have this new pilot that comes on whose name is Kawaru. So Kaoru is one the new pilot to Ava 2, which he ends up turning it into a an angel because he is an angel. And mm-hmm. he's like 
all angels are descendants of Adam and they're basically searching for Adam essentially. And they think that this energy at the bottom of headquarters is Adam and he befriends Shinji, but he has like alternate goals, but his like befriending of Shinji isn't actually like, it isn't a farce. Like he's, he's not doing it intentionally. Like that's just how it happens. And I say befriend tongue in cheek because in the original anime yes dubbing and i said this earlier in regards to ex-boyfriend kaoru professes his love to shinji and is like hey you're cool and hot and i love (laughs) and shinji's like oh i love you too yeah because i mean and and both dubs go into it but like it's like oh i've never really had anybody tell me that before like you know they bathe they bathe together a little bit like pretty you know yeah dives into it without getting too into it (laughs) yeah kukuaru from this very introduction uh just very very like gets in like deeply with shinji i think it's just because uh it's hard to describe his yeah he lays it on very very thick and it's very clear on his intentions with with, with Shinji and on how much I guess like he he loves him, yeah. Per se, I just don't know how to really put into words in a very satisfying way how to describe his relationship with with each other because it's the first time Shinji has been like loved or has has anyone said like I I love you to Shinji so like he's very taken aback and just confused about the whole situation. Yeah. Because he has never felt that he's just been deserving of any kind of love. He has always just kind of shoveled from one thing to the next. He's always tried to please people. Kawaru is the first person or, th- or being to ever have just straight up love Shinji for who he is, regardless of like before even Shinji does anything. Mm-hmm. So there's that interesting dynamic. And the thing that got people really pissed off with the Netflix dub is that they changed what Koaru says to Shinji. Instead of saying, I love you, he says, I like you. Which yeah. has a totally different context in me, especially yeah. for the show. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's my only main gripe with the Netflix dub. I think everything with the, with the Netflix dub is pretty solid, except for that one scene. I'm very confused as to why they changed that, that one particular moment. The weird part about Netflix redubbing it that way is that this is in, I want to say, 20, when did they redub this? 2015? No, this is 2018, dude. <laughs> 20, yeah, so 2018, they redubbed this, right? Like, and Netflix has had a bunch of different shows where they depict like non heterosexual people rather commonly. If you watch shows like The Adventures of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which, you know, is now, you know, just called Sabrina. You know that's a Netflix show, and yeah. among other among other such things, and they decided at this time that they were gonna edit out the gayness. And I was like, wait, what? But that's like the point of the show is like featuring a variety of different aspects of humanity. And even though the original creators, I thought, kind of threw it in there haphazardly, I just thought it was something that was, you know, 1995. Like, that's a big yeah. step. Yeah, it's a big it's it's a big leap to add in uh, basically a, a sexually ambiguous character into the show. Yeah, I, I think that yeah the Netflix change was very like completely unnecessary. Again, I know it doesn't really mean a whole lot to the plot in the grand scheme of things, 
but it's a very important step and i think it's like a good way to show that like there's all these characters with all their different ambiguous ambiguous sexualities and personas and then how they they display that their love and how that just you know all that doesn't matter when we when we're talking about how we grow our as ourselves as a person how we we deal with with our self identity yeah you know i think it helps to to know that shinji has the, has these feelings or the core has these feelings for 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 shinji because i think it helps make the picture or helps you know make sense to how um shinji comes to his terms of his self-worth and self-value you know you know and in the last two episodes it adds more contextual contextuality you know to this it doesn't appear so sudden 100 yeah no, that's a that's a great way to put it. And I think, you know, going back to the idea of like this is all kind of in middle school, which, you know, a lot of people go through their biggest developmental changes, like mentally and physically during that time. Yeah. And so the ambiguity of sexuality, especially, I think is pretty important. Even yeah. though again, like it's kind of haphazardly thrown in by the original creator, but then edited out by the Netflix version. It that yeah. part just still doesn't make any sense. Like even if you do try to say I like you, like everything else in, that they talk about is like all pointing towards go. No, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's all it's all it's such a strange edit. Like it does still it still baffles me, and I still have not gotten an answer. But why do you say it's like so haphazard that they that they threw in that Shinji's potentially gay? Or the Kawaru is gay. I don't think they threw it in that Kawaru is gay. I think they just, you know, it's towards the ending. There's a lot that's already happening with Asuka <laughs> and Rei and Gendo and Misato and everything else. It's just kind of like this side quest that's not very important. And I don't <laughs> no, think that I, does I, it justice. I kind of understand. Yeah, I understand the sentiment. It, it, it feels uh, just out of the blue at the time and and it feels like to me i perceived it as more of like the complexity of human life nothing nothing is ever a straight line even with you know the the finishing off of all the rest of the other angels and you think you're towards the very end and like all your problems are about to be over with life throws another complication at you Mm -hmm. yeah that's how i've interpreted it that's fair i mean it's not like a bad interpretation for sure like you know it doesn't it does it, it definitely does it justice i just thought yeah, just the way that it was written in it seemed a little bit seemed a little bit haphazard seemed, <laughs> seemed like they just kind of threw it in there just to you know do so or they didn't you know i, I can't you oh yeah it's not very well explained you, <laughs> yeah that's you, true you can't really tell it's really up to your own interpretation so and i think that was done on purpose i think the open up to your interpretation this is uh a very personal story, honestly. This, like I've alluded to earlier, this feels like I'm going through the mind of the creator himself. I love with how he grapples day to day life, and maybe who knows? Maybe maybe this was a part of his life that he wanted to share with people, and he just didn't know how to. Maybe he still doesn't know. Yeah, for for sure. And I I've I've watched interviews of him afterwards you know after him making the show and he still alludes that he still struggles with these bouts of depression and finding his self-worth and trying to get away from the bad habits that he found himself in when he was in his very depressive state yeah um so i know that you hinted on some of the fan base and that's something I'm yes to to <laughs> before we finish up here relatively soon so <laughs> um that's, that's pretty fair so you talked a little bit about like the the controversy with the fan base and something that you don't appreciate like what what uh what do you mean by that 
Yes. So I think, or I believe by that, I think that a majority of the fans of the show completely missed the, the point of the show. Ooh, hot take. You might, well, some people might be mad at you for that. <laughs> and rightfully so, because, I mean, it, it's, it, it's very alluring, the, the, the concepts, the, the original like, surface layer concepts of the show. And I can see how fans got really caught up with the religious iconography, the the giant mechs fighting fighting angels, getting wrapped up with that, and instead missing the point of the show, which was for me the, the pull point was to find your your way in life and to overcome these feelings you have about trying to prove yourself against. Uh, in the world or expecting the world to change for you when you have to be the catalyst of your own change and you have to avoid or not delve into the fantasies or the escapism that anime is so prone to letting people into. The first two episodes of this podcast are pretty fucking deep. If you were expecting this to be a comedy show, comedy show, uh, (laughs) Jesus Christ, no. We'll sprinkle it in there. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll try my best. We, um, we tried. <laughs> no, but I think like I think you're right in a sense that quote a pro- former professor of ours, you know, in, in a sense, you know, what you're really looking for is um, I think a lot of people actually agree with you. Okay. But I think the point that's being made is I think religion and the inner sense of self are one of the same. In that, it in, could in, be like in, like being tied together, and I think that is the point of the show is showing the human condition in regards to our necessity to believe in something when really we should more turn inward into our development of self. And you see, that's where uh, I'd say you're not like a majority of the fan base. Like you actually kind of got the concepts that the show was trying to lay out. Also issue with the Genesis fan base, over-sexualization of Asuka. Oh yeah, completely. Don't forget right too. Like we're talking about... I've done some research on uh, how the subreddit, the uh, the Evangelion subreddit, views uh, the main female characters, and it's uh, it's not pretty. It's incredibly disgusting. At least that that. Yeah, but one of them is an adult. Yeah, well, Masato is an adult, but we're talking about you know Ray and Asuka, and they're they're both thirteen year old girls, or at least drawn as thirteen year old girls, and yeah. some of the fan art I've seen on 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 the subreddit is you know incredibly sexualized and very much like not great Bob. not yeah not not very great at all <laughs> exactly oscar pillows and ray pillows everywhere and yeah <laughs> all, all that gross stuff that nobody likes to talk about <laughs> yikes yeah anyway back to like the actual show i don't want to get too much further into that that's just it's disgusting but, I know, um, yeah. It's it's an ugly it's an ugly thing that yeah. So we talked a lot about the plot. We talked a lot about the characters, you know, developing over the time. I don't know how you rate your your shows. I have a pretty like mm-hmm. systematic rating system, so I'd like to hear yours first before I give mine. Um, just because I don't want to like influence anything. Um, I I like the the smash tier system, the tier list. Okay. I think is a is a nice little middle ground between yeah. like how, how to rate things because it's like pretty unfair to like rate things on like a, a numbered basis you can give them like a rating but like to rank them one over the other in like a numbered system i think kind of devalues what each anime or each show has to offer because you know they, they could all be very good 
animes, but they, they could be dealing with completely different concepts or themes. Just for context, like I said before, I've watched over 100 anime. Mm-hmm. I like the Smash Gear concept, especially because Marth is a S rank Smash character. <laughs> That's a joke. He's not actually an S rank Smash character. I think he's an S rank Smash character because he's my boy. Also, my hey, he's in your tier list. Hey, he's your S tier. Yeah. So how many shows have you watched? Animes? Oh, man. It's probably anime been... is plural for anime. And I've cringed every single time you've said animes. Oh, God. I'm sorry. Why didn't you correct me? Uh, oh, I feel like I, I was making like a terrible it. mistake. No, I just like it because then that'll be a nice, fun little joke until God. we get to this oh, point. Oh, man. Now, now I'm going to be consciously thinking about it. Like, oh, shit. Like, I can't say animes. I just got to say anime. <laughs> So, but anyway, anyway, yeah, uh, I think I've seen, oh, man, probably like 10-ish. Okay. So what would your bottom, just to set like parameters or quartiles or whatever, what would your bottom show be? Bottom show, probably, I don't know the name of this because like, I only watched like two episodes before I stopped watching. It was like a volleyball uh, Hi-Q? anime. Yeah, Haikyuu, yeah, I didn't really like that one at all. I think that was really, really bland, boring. Just, I understand what they were going for. It just didn't attract me. I'm sure a lot of people liked it, but it just didn't rub me the right way. Put that on the bottom there. Let's put that like in the the D category or something. D D tier. Bottom tier? Yeah, bottom tier. So what is a mid-tier anime? Mid-tier anime for me? Uh, Honestly, probably like Naruto. Or uh, I really like that. You should see my uh, face right now when you said Naruto's mid. Okay. Oh my god. This oh, is my this is my opinion. Hi. Or, or or initial D. I, I put initial D in Naruto as as middle tier. Yeah. Hi. Okay. Naruto's <laughs> mid. Tyler says yeah, it first. I know, right? Hey, if you want to bring bring me on once I finish the the Naruto series or ship it in, I'll be glad to tell you my thoughts because so far. Um, I'll just I'll just keep my thoughts to it. Just we'll talk I'm going to finish it. The, uh, the yeah. Naruto pod is going to be several parts long, so I got to figure out my way around that. But anyway, right, so yeah. Naruto, Naruto is mid mid tier. I'd say S tier is well. I guess like A tier is uh, the. 15 or so episodes of hunter x hunter i have seen i've not watched at all of hunter x hunter i know i, I need to but are you doing the 15 this to appease me don't do this to appease me i'm not doing this to appease you i actually generally liked hunter x hunter i just wish i had more context or wish i'd watched it from the beginning okay um i'll throw in the couple episodes of attack on titan there as well because i thought the animation and just the overall story were very intriguing fantastic okay so and, we've established that. Where is Code Geass? Or not Code Geass. Wow. Spoiler alert. We're going to talk about Code Geass in a couple of episodes. Um, <laughs> so where is Neon Genesis Evangelion? That is S tier for me. Cowboy mm-hmm. Bebop and Neon Genesis Evangelion are my S tier anime. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to get into it with Cowboy Bebop and, and the rest of those shows just because that's uh, for another podcast. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. It deserves all the attention. It needs. But I rank my shows on a one to ten scale, not like a. I don't stack them up against each other. Because okay. like I have different, I have a level of enjoyment with different shows. Like Halloween Ultimate is one of my favorite shows. Is it mm-hmm. one of the best shows? No. But is it one of my favorite? Absolutely. Um, High School of the Dead, terrible, terrible show filled with fan service. Was it? Fun? Was it fun? Yes. Did I watch it at a time where the zombie apocalypse? 
Trump was extremely overexploited. Also, yes. So if I if I rewatch it now, probably wouldn't like it very much. But I think I'm not going to just because like it still holds some sentimental enjoyment value. So for those who have listened to the previous podcast, Bull Metal Alchemist, if we were using Tyler's system for me, would rank in the S tier um, as well as two of the. Yeah co-hosts have already talked about with my enjoyment of Hunter Hunter, also an S tier. Like since I ranked mine out of 10, both of those are 10 out of 10s. Spoiler alert for Hunter Hunter. But for yeah. Code Geass, if I can find my list here, I probably should have had it pulled up, but not Code Geass. I keep saying Code Geass. I really want to talk about Code Geass. You gotta um, get to it. Maybe it could be the next episode. No, no. Well, next episode is actually going to be Kuroko's Basketball. Oh, yeah, that, that basketball. Hawaiian me that, that was actually <laughs> oh man it's actually kind of cool it's like pretty sick dude <laughs> you haven't even funny. watched it yet like i've seen clips on youtube yeah you gotta watch that show you got like it's on crunchyroll it's free like you can watch crunchyroll for free so oh, yeah i'll get you, to it yeah you're right you got it. i will but i would give so i rank everything based on like plot and character development music and animation i'd probably give the show i uh, because of ambiguity in interpretation, I'd give it a time. Just because of how I interpreted it and how much enjoyment I got out of like the hidden parts of the show. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the, um, actually, that's not entirely true. I think the music is a half point. So it's oh. pretty repetitive, and I I give it just a half point for like maybe even a three quarter point because it's only like I only give music out of one for me. Maybe like nine and a half to ten anywhere in that range i know it's pretty popular and it's one of the top ranked anime but i don't think it's any better than i definitely don't think it's better than Fullmetal alchemist i like it as like a character study and as an allegory to the human condition but like it's a pure enjoyment factor with everything involved it, it just doesn't get to that point with like mm-hmm. the musical score and everything like that other than that it's a great show it's got a lot of hidden gems in there especially if you like stuff like international relations, which I know some of my listeners do in regards to the United Nations and how that functions and how will other countries function with this new crisis and how they function in the old crisis and stuff like that. So that's something that like, if we were running a model United Nations committee, this would be something rather interesting to go over in a committee. Yeah, but definitely. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a pretty good show. And thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on and, and talking to me about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was my pleasure. I, I love talking about this. It's been so long since I've got to like discuss the themes and the concepts going on in the show at, at this length. Yeah, so that's uh, that's the last or the second episode of Whose Anime Is It Anyway? I hope you guys join me next time in which we talk about Kuroko's Basketball with my friend and former roommate Ryan. So, uh, we'll see ya. Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars